Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to episode number 188 of This Week in Marvel, the official Marvel podcast of all news, new releases, action, adventure, and uh, water. Uh, that looks like some Good delicious for water. Uh, Good for you. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Marvel.com senior editor Ben Morse. <laughs> flashback there first i got uh, drinking this delicious water yeah that we were just i talking mean that about. looks super taste yes these are new uh glass bottles that my wife and i got so that we do not have to bring nasty uh bottled water into work anymore we can just get it direct from our filter it's healthier yeah because you just you just you don't have any of those plastic Security. little exactly. monsters that come into your water this is the official podcast of health yep. uh, and better living so oh. in my shake today, I had mm-hmm. kale and spinach. That's yummy. Uh, like ha- more than half of it was kale and spinach. I had my first shake this morning was almond butter, uh, natural honey. I had some flaxseed oil mm. um, and some coconut oil. Nice. That's right. I got another one coming up this afternoon. Ryan and I are just living, guys. Yeah. You know, we're just making the world a better place. Maca powder. You- I got that. Oh, that's what is that? I have no idea. We have, but it's it's expensive and it's supposed to be good for you. We have coconut mana, mm-hmm. which is if you mix it with water, you can make your own coconut milk at home. Um, this is not the podcast you guys were expecting. You notice how like our voices are very uh, calm. Yeah, and very yeah, because we're like feeling good, soothing and reassuring. Totes um, NPR style. Yeah, it's very NPR. That's what I was gonna say. We have a very NPR vibe going here. And joining us on this NPR adventure, first week, full time. Flying solo, intern Alec. Not to be confused with intern Alex. Intern Alec. Have your own microphone. I do. How did that happen? Uh, Blake told me to set it up. Oh, um, all right. You know, I, I didn't uh, mean to take any liberties. But That's fine. No, you're I very... Took some. Uh, intern Alec has been very respectful so far. He's doing a good job. Uh, we're, we're, we're happy with him thus far. Um, so we'll see how long that lasts into this podcast. As always, we have comics to discuss. We have news to talk about. We have the boys out on the West Coast with some Hollywood shenaniganery. Uh, no interview this week, so if you guys have been enjoying that, too bad. If you haven't been enjoying that, great, because yeah, two we... Two words for you. <laughs> uh, we're sorry. Yeah. Uh, we'll be doing more of those, though, so we will have more people on. But no one this week. We do have the This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club with Daredevil, Born Again, which I am really excited to talk about. I really liked reading it all over again. But before we get into any of that, we are going to do, you know, what what really brought us to the dance here, and that is talking about all the Marvel comics that came out this week. So let's start things off with all-new X-Men, number 41, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Mahmoud Asrar. Uh, We're continuing to build towards Uncanny X-Men, number 600, which will be the big, splashy, finish of brian michael bendis's run with the x-men he wraps up a thread here as he's been doing pretty much every month every issue with all of his x-men books in this case <clears throat> it's the utopians who is this group of mutants he's been teasing for years since he started uh that there are still mutants living out on utopia we met them last issue it's a great group of randos including random uh the most rando of all mutants i love random so much yeah random's a lot of fun uh you know what though? I like I really liked Random when he was introduced back when Peter David and Joe Hugh introduced him. And then they did all that weird stuff where he's really a kid and all this other weird jazz. I don't remember that. 
Yeah, they they kind of mess with him. I like the original random. Anyways, random's a fun mutant. He's so 1990s. He's the definitive 1990s mutant, uh, second only to Adam X, the extreme. And he's in the mix. Karma, he's definitely still alive. Um, Karma's there. Mask is there. Box is there. Boom Boom is there. Elixir is there. They fight the all-new X-Men on Utopia because S.H.I.E.L.D. asks the X-Men, they're like, hey, look, uh, Maria Hill, the most put-upon character of the last few years when Brian Bendis writes her in the X-Men, so sick of mutants. Uh, Not because she doesn't like mutants. She's just like, they are trouble and they are just giving me headaches. So she sends the X-Men to try to get the Utopians off of Utopia. They fight. It's fun. It's a cool mix of powers. The way they resolve it is not just through punches and ice and optic blasts. They talk and they come to an understanding. And it kind of colors particularly Jean Grey's view on the way the modern era treats mutants. And this is going to lead to bigger things, uh, specifically in Uncanny 600 and moving forward for Jean, who is becoming an ever more pivotal character in the X-Men universe. I did not have a lot of connection to old Jean Grey, Mm -hmm. but I love this Jean Grey. I think she's a super fun character. Well, I think Jean Grey is one of those interesting characters where, like, the hype is almost bigger than the character itself. Like, she had some great stories. Don't get me wrong. I actually really liked the way Grant Morrison wrote her. Um, I think she had some cool stuff when Chris Claremont was doing her as Phoenix. But I think it was more like the legend of Jean Grey is bigger than Jean Grey herself. And now we're actually digging it. Like, she's actually becoming a character and not just this, like martyr figure who everyone is obsessed with so that's kind of cool yeah amazing spider-man number 18.1 third part of spiral by the legendary jerry conway art by carlo barberi inks by juan velasco colors by israel silva we're continuing to look at uh this interview this uh interaction between the wraith and spider-man the wraith is kind of descending further into working with mr negative he is using her to take out other crime lords. She is not brainwashed or anything. She's okay with it. She's like, I'm a cop. I'm a vigilante. If I can take out all these corrupt crime lords and if I have to work with Mr. Negative a bit to do it, great. Spider-Man's like, no, this is going to come back and bite you. This is a terrible <laughs> idea. There is a prison riot where, and I really like this aspect of it, uh, Black Cat, of course, has been kicking butt in Spider-Man in Silk all over the place, really establishing herself. So the crime master, once again, a new crime master, because we need to get one like every couple of years. Totally. Uh, and a bunch of just random kind of street-level villain dudes, uh, Spider-Man street-level villains, Ox, Snake Marston, Fancy Dan, Hammer Harrison, just all these guys who will occasionally get beat up by Spider-Man. They're like, they come to Black Cat and they're like, hey, we have no kingpin. You'd be a great kingpin. You should do it. So she's like, would I? I guess I would. And they go and mess with uh, Hammerhead and try to see some power. Spidey and Wraith get involved in the fight. But that's going to be something that continues. Obviously, uh, Jerry Conway's setting it up here, but I would imagine it's going to get followed up. Uh, it kind of feeds into what Dan Slott's been doing in Amazing Spider-Man. So kind of a reshuffling of the villains. And that's always been something I've liked about you know older Spider-Man stories like back in the 80s. There's always like a gang war kind of brewing. There's always multiple crime bosses. They're always struggling for power. So a return to that is kind of a neat trick for modern-day Spider-Man. And speaking of Dan Slott writing Spider-Man... Before we get there, though... Oh, no. Uh, what a segue I had. I know. It was great. But, uh, no. Uh, a little disappointment I have in Secret Wars is there mm. is no domain where 
Fancy Dan is <laughs> the uh, the boss, the um, the Baron. The Baron. Well, we haven't seen him all yet. Fanciopolis. Fanciopolis. Yeah. And speaking of which, Fancy I don't know, Town. Did you see on Twitter where we're we're getting Fabian Nicieza looped into <laughs> our "There Needs to Be a Forever Yesterday" slice? I, I saw. By the end of eight issues of Secret Wars, we're going to get this done somehow. If it's a one-page digital-only comic that we produce ourselves, yes, we can. All right. Uh, so, so back to my amazing segue. So speaking of Dan Slot, right, uh, Spider-Man. We've got Amazing Spider-Man. Renew your vows. Number one, written by Dan and art by. Love uh, the book. Weird title. Thought it from the moment we announced it. Renew your vows. It just feels like a command. It feels like like hey hey get down to the courthouse and do this like. <laughs> Your marriage is fine, but you got to figure this out. Whatever. Uh, that's just me. When a couple likes to renew their vows, that's a thing. But they're not. They haven't. They're not they renewing know, their vows. Like, they're married. That's also uh, trolling. We're just trolling I guess. fans. I guess. Anyway, uh, written by Dan Slott, art by Adam Kubert, inks by John Dell, colors by John T- Justin Ponsor. What about like Amazing Spider-Man? Till death do we part. Didn't we do that? That has to be Amazing Spider-Man. Happily ever after. <laughs> Amazing, Amazing Spider-Man, Sp- still married. Amazing Spider-Man, I now pronounce you. I now pronounce you would have been so much better. You blew it, low. Well, there All right. you go. Anyways. Uh, so, can I get back to this? Yes, please. Sorry. Okay, okay great. Uh, in this story where, obviously, it's a Secret Wars tale, and in this domain, uh, it's cool because it's it feels like a classic what-if in the sense that, you know, we jump right in, we see... Uh, it's like, what if Peter Parker and Mary Jane stayed married, had a child, and lived their lives? And it's it's terrific. There's, you know, the great Mary Jane, Peter Parker banter. Uh, Peter is, you know, doing his thing as a photographer for the Bugle. All this is going on. But then we get to, like, the craziness uh, of this where heroes are disappearing. I mean, just, like, whole cloth. It's getting real weird. Uh, Peter finds out because he's at the Bugle and, like, the reports are starting to come in. And so he's like, hey, I'm going to go to Avengers Mansion and, you know, take a little looky-loo and see what's going on. And Jarvis is like, oh, we've been waiting for you. Great. Come on in. Yeah. He's like, what? Couldn't get started without you, Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, then you, he gets in there and it's one of those things where I I love it because it feels like, okay, we're setting this in a certain, like, if not time like specific time it gives you a sense of where these characters are yeah. in their own histories it was like infinity gauntlet-esque yeah you've uh, got like period. uh white costume vision you've got captain america with this you know weird that's the one that i always costume. like that speaking of like classic what ifs and you're right this is a, like a lot of classic what if tropes i like it when there's just a minor variation on a costume just to let you know that yeah. this isn't normal so yeah. in this case it's captain america has the A where he normally has the star and has the star where he normally has the A. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you've got the new warriors there. You've got Avengers there. You've got various heroes. Um, uh, I believe Quasar's up in this. Quasar yeah. is definitely mentioned at yeah, some No, point. he's here yeah. in the background and he's got, like, his Quasar symbol on his forehead, which I love. I'm, right. like, I'm super into that. I think Adam Cuber is having fun. Yeah. Which is good. Let As him. well he should. He's a legend. Um, you know, all that's going on and... I think what's important is it's not a what if. It's a story that is definitely part of Secret Wars and it's going to be uh, important to the scope of the planet and everything. But uh, we find out that, boom, there's all this craziness at uh, prison. Venom gets let out, and in this universe, it's still like crazy, most likely Eddie Brock. I think he calls him Eddie Brock. He does, okay. Because he's, he's got, like, the variation of the costume. He looks like Matt Gargan initially, yeah. but then he kind of calms down and looks more Eddie Brock-like. Yeah. 
Uh, but Eddie is broken out and boom goes right to Peter's family and then that's just like everything is super personal and it's I like it because the stakes are so high uh, you see Peter sort of balancing everything at this one point and he has chosen his family in this you know in this story family comes first before sure. everything else before even the fate of the world as the Avengers go up against this epic uh, villain named Regent who uh, first appearance here right new character yeah Regent has been uh, very excited to introduce him yeah Regent has basically been stealing powers becoming more more powerful mm-hmm. uh, with each He'll just take them and just, like, level up. And yeah, it's, he's, he's rogue-esque, but on a whole nother level. Yeah, and he just wants to control everything. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, he's got a very sure. clear goal. He's like, yep. I want to get rid of all the heroes, so ain't nobody going to oppose me, and mm-hmm. then everything will be great. Uh, well, that's going on. We have the end, the final battle between Spider-Man and Venom. Right. It's two big fights that Adam Kubert's drawing the hell out of running yeah. parallel. Yes, uh, and then we get this great last page that tells you uh, the consequences of everything right, that is because we jump ahead, yeah, and we see what's up with this world, yeah. So super great, and we're getting another issue in two weeks. Yeah, I, I love that comic for a lot of reasons. It felt very much like it was wish fulfillment. It's all of us who missed the Spider Marriage. Here it is, like bigger and better than ever, and it's Dan Slott getting to write the one element of Spider Man he's never gotten to write, and that's a married Peter Parker and Mary Jane. For a lot of us who like, you know. You and I have discussed it before. When we grew up, Spider-Man was married, so it wasn't really a... It wasn't even a thing. You know, it was a big point of contention. I know for a lot of older fans, we were like, nah, we need to get him back to being unmarried, and it's worked out great. Um, But for me, I was just like, yeah, no, Spider-Man's married. He's always been married. So it was cool to see this kind of seamless story of him being back, him being married. But beyond that, because that's a very easy, like, all right, Spider-Man's married, there's your story. There's so much more to this. Oh, yeah. There's so much more going on that could take place in our Marvel universe. It could take place in a world where he's not married, but because he is married, a lot of stuff happens. So that's a really, really good read. And Dan clearly wanted to write the story for a long time and got to get to do it. Yeah, it's terrific. All right, up next we've got Armor Wars, number one, another Secret Wars tie-in, written by James Robinson. And uh, the credits page is... Do you want to know who the artist is? It's Marcio Takara. But uh, I want—I always like giving credit to the. I don't know where the credits are, man. The credits are like nowhere to be fumed. Anyway, mystery. This is a lot set. of great people worked on this book. Yeah, great job, editors. Yeah, uh, who nice didn't job. credits? Nice page. job, everybody. Uh, so this is set in Technopolis, mm-hmm. which is this cool uh, domain in there you go. Uh, on Battle World. Huge double page spread of all the credits. Well, it's ginormous. You know what? And that reminds me. When I was reading this the first time, I was like, oh, okay, there's no credits page right in the beginning. I'm going, going. And then you get to this big double page splash. It felt like a movie. It felt like, yeah. the, like the boom, boom. Yeah, you know, like they, did got, tw- they did 20 minutes before they... Yeah, you've got the cold the open, it's and then cool. you go right into the credits, and boom. So yeah, James Robinson, Marshall Takara, Esther Sands on colors. Uh, great stuff. And we start off uh, learning about Technopolis, uh, the, the way it's set up, you've got Stark Tower, Daily Bugle, and you've got some stuff that is different from what you would recognize from a Marvel Universe. Uh, Fisk Industries, the Hall of Order and Law, and um, you know more stuff like that. And everyone is in like an Iron Man type suit. Uh, they have to be. They have to That's be. That's the twist I like. It's not just like everyone... I, when I initially heard about Armor Wars, I thought it was going to be like, okay, everyone wants to amass power, so they're all wearing Iron Man suits. 
no, like they do not have a choice. They can only survive if they're living in Iron Man suits and right. they're stuck in them. Yeah, so they they can expose part of their bodies if they need to, most likely the face or, you know, the junk if they got to go to the robo-bone zone. Yep. But uh, they will most likely always be in their, uh, their suits. And we open on a spider character, this Spider-Man with a Y, uh, who's you know swinging around trying to escape from some people, and then there's this mysterious uh, moment where he turns around. He's gotten away from one set of attackers, finds that he's up against someone he recognizes, mm-hmm. and then boom is exploded. So then that's when we get to our cold open, and we get to see more of this world. We see our Tony Stark. Uh, we get to see that there one of the Thors that we know from Battle World is actually a Rhodey who is part of Technopolis. He is, you know, to be he's clear, here. when Ryan says Rhodey, he means like James Rhodes, not like some guy who carries a band's equipment around. It'd be awesome. It was just some random Rhodey. Yeah. Uh, or yeah. Road Dog from before he was Road Dog. Oh, man. As Thor. Yeah. Anyways, that's a whole other Sure, topic. sure. Uh, we get to see why this is called Armor Wars, because we have Tony Stark on one side, Arno Stark on the other, and they are at war because they're mm-hmm. brothers mm-hmm. and, you know... They both wear armor. They're jerks. Um, and we get to see a crazy final splash page where the Thors are invested, or James Rhodes, more in particular, is investigating a murder and uh, what that's going to mean for Technopolis. Jumping away from Secret Wars for a little bit because we got to Darth Vader number six, written by Karen Gillan, art by Salvador LaRocca, colors by Edgar Delgado. Six issue, typically in a lot of comics, means kind of the end of the first arc, and I do feel like this was kind of putting a bow on Kieran's first story with Vader. Of course, we saw him going off and recruiting his uh, robot army and putting together his little support team, and then he came up last issue against the Emperor and Silo, who's this guy the Emperor has basically training replacements for Vader. So this issue is all about Vader fighting his would-be replacements, showing why he is still the bomb.com. Uh, all these cool new characters Karen gets to introduce, which he obviously loves doing. You know, he's great at doing that in Marvel, but here he gets to play with the Star Wars mythology. We get a nice nod to General Grievous and some other characters like that. Uh, Vader shows his stuff, proves why he's still numero uno for now. And then a nice dovetail bit with the issue of Star Wars we're going to cover later, a scene that takes place there also takes place here and it is crucial to what's going to be coming up next with vader as we explore this oh there's a there's a trash bag falling over that we got distracted by is there an animal in that trash bag yeah i will find out alec be ready um but getting back to the vader of it all uh yes it's it's a cool exploration of vader in between episodes four and five which is a lot of people are asking how are you gonna do that how are you gonna tell compelling stories when you are, you know, you know where it's ultimately going. This issue and the issue of Star Wars that came out this week, I think, are both good indications of how you do that. Back to Secret Wars. Future Imperfect number one, written by Peter David, art by Greg Land. It was not that long ago. Ryan, if you would like to look up some additional credits, because we did not get a hard copy of this book for some reason. Uh, so we had to read it digitally. Um, not that long ago, we did Future Imperfect, Hulk Future Imperfect on Twim URC. You guys know we loved that book. This was certainly a worthy successor. Not a surprise because Peter David wrote it. It's back to a similar world to what we saw in Future Imperfect where a 
crazy future version of the Hulk named the Maestro rules everything. He rules a town called Dystopia. He is doomed barren. He is crushing everyone under his weight. Uh, it was a joy just to see Peter get to write Maestro again. Uh, just how sadistic he is, how he takes Peter David's Hulk, who's the very sort Hulk, talking about like the Professor Hulk, the Smart Hulk, the Smarmy Hulk, and just makes him so cruel and nasty. Yeah. Um, who worked on the art team in addition so, to uh, Greg yeah, Land? In addition to Greg Land, uh, colors by Nolan Woodard. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, we did a feature on Nolan Woodard not too long ago in our Color in the Secret Wars. Anyways, this book actually starts with another much-missed uh, Peter David creation. That's Ruby Summers, who showed up in his X-Factor run. She is part of the rebel group that uh, we saw in Future Imperfect that has Rick Jones' granddaughter Janice and all them. Here, they're still fighting against the maestro. They're trying to do their thing, but here, Ruby's a member of the team, and they have a different leader, which I thought was an awesome twist. Uh, Rick Jones is not their leader. We find their leader out on last page, and it's great. Uh, but Ruby is in the middle of the desert. She discovers an old man with an eye patch who claims to be Odin, and I'm just going to kind of leave it there yeah. because there's an amazing twist yeah. that fuels the issue. And look, Peter David knows what he's doing. Uh, he's 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 no rookie here. He knows how to write comic books. He knows how to write Future Imperfect. Stick with him. You're going to really enjoy what we got here. Yeah, I, I really liked also the opening on this page was uh, a page that, you know, gives you the preamble of what uh, Secret Wars is, what Battle World is. Uh, and then it tells you exactly where this takes place, which is dystopia. It's got a cool little flag. Uh, and then it shows you this cool diagram of uh, the maestro's, you know, trophy room and what he's, quote-unquote, exhibiting this season. Yeah. Which I thought was super was like, really I neat. really want to see all the, you know, like, that was one of our favorite things. Sure. That's in. one of everyone's favorite parts of Future sure. We talked to Peter David about it when we got dinner with him one yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, and here you've got, like, the Silver Surfer's board, Spider-Man's mask, Thor's hammer, Magneto's helmet, Ms. Marvel's scarf, Nova's helmet, Iron Man's repulsor, a Hell Charger tire, which is a cool Secret Wars, uh, I imagine. Uh, Ghost Racer. Yeah, thing. Ghost Racer connection cap shield and a baby Groot potted plant oh yeah i want to see nice how horrible addition. that is because you know that's going to be scary and terrifying yeah but i thought that was really neat i like that i want to see more of that stuff yeah and we were just talking about flags earlier this week i love flags we want to do i i probably said this last week remember remind myself every week that i need to do a listicle on who are the barons in each of the domains yeah can so. you just if we don't have one established can you just make it fancy dan yeah he will be the Baron of uh, whatever the Marvel Zombies. Well, what's a book that we've read so far where they didn't establish a Baron? They didn't establish a Baron, well, there, but also in uh, Renew Your Vows. So there you go. Does yeah. that one make sense? Because he's Spider-Man. So until we hear otherwise, yeah. Fancy Dan is the Baron of uh, Renew Your Vowsville, which I think is like Manhattan. I mean, it's Manhattan. There's a bunch of places that are There's just a called lot of Manhattans. Manhattan. Yeah. So there you go. Fansopolis. One hundo. That's where uh, Regent is doing his thing. Regent's probably going to kill him. Yeah. Uh, all right, we're on to Giant Size Little Marvel, AVX number one, another Secret Wars book. Uh, this takes place in Marvel, not to be confused with the Marvel from uh, early 2000s comics. Do no. not at all confuse the two. Uh, and it's great. You know, it's, uh, it, well, one, I will say it starts out with a song. And I had to look at the credits because I was like, oh, if it's starting out with a song, it's got to be a Nick Lowe joint. He is involved with it. He's a senior editor on this project, so uh, I think we need to get Nick to sing this tune at some point. 
But starts out with a song, setting up, you know, some of Secret Wars, uh, uh, the Battle World. Um, oh, if I haven't said it already, it's uh, written and drawn by Scotty Young with colors by Jean Francois Bellou. And it's, you know, A Babies versus X Babies. It's little, the young versions of the Avengers, the young versions of the X-Men, and they're fighting, and it's freaking adorable, and it's funny, and it's got lots of both visual gags and clever little puns and, and gags between the characters. Uh, we get to see a much larger array of characters than we got to see in the, was it just one shot, right, previously? Yeah, I think it was just A-Babies versus X-Babies was the last one. We're going to yeah. see lots more here. Totally. So we've got, you know, Magic and Iron Man fighting. Uh, we've got tons of X-Characters. Uh, thankfully, finally, we get Cable and Bishop finally. up in here. Just like we've been demanding. Yeah. But we do get Gambit as well. Uh, we can't, they can't all be winners. Gambit plays a crucial role, actually, in the issue. Yeah. We've got Man-Thing and Doctor Strange. Oh, yeah. That's what I like, too. We get the non-AVX uh, characters. Uh, just a great gag where Daredevil, like little Daredevil is facing the wrong way trying to order food. Come on. It's either adorable or terrible. It made me lol. We get a MODOK. Yep. That is there you go. terrific. Uh, all kinds of stuff. And, of course, you know, they... They're fighting, they're happy, they're sad, everybody's going crazy, it's great. And then a new family moves into the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And I won't spoil it because it's funny, it's, it's cute, pretty fun. it's, it's pretty great. Uh, but both sides want a piece of that. Yeah. Groot, number one, set back in the old Marvel Universe before we blew it up. Hello. Written by Jeff Loveness uh, from Jimmy Kimmel Live. Art by Disney's Brian Kessinger. Uh, Groot spinning out of Rocket Raccoon. Rocket and Groot are both kind of stars of this book. The cool thing about the Rocket Raccoon series was Groot was the co-star. And the cool thing about the Groot series is Rocket Raccoon is the co-star. But here, Groot's wants and desires are driving the story. And in this case, it's that Groot feels like taking a road trip and he wants to go to Earth, which Rocket hates because Rocket hates Earth. But the story of the series is going to be Groot and Rocket trying to get to Earth despite the fact they don't have a spaceship. So they've got to hitch, borrow, steal, do whatever they do here. In this issue alone, they encounter some scrolls, they fight space sharks, they steal a rocket ship from a baby in something that will make most comic fans laugh hysterically uh, because it's a nice riff. And then they encounter someone who is uh, seeking the bounty on Groot, which offends Rocket because he thought he had a higher bounty on him. He does not. The real impressive thing here, I think I gotta say, is the fact that, look, Groot only says one thing, ever. And he's the main character of this book. So for Jeff Loveness to concoct a fun, uh, moving story where his protagonist has very, very, very limited dialogue, incredibly impressive. Brian Kessinger's art is really cool. It looks like, a, unsurprisingly, looks a little bit like a... Uh, like a Disney book. Are you kidding me? What? Brian Kessinger's art is ridiculous. What we mean? I Are was you kidding losing me? it over yeah. that. It is it's really gorgeous. Good. It is like, it's a cartoon. It's beautiful. Yeah, if you were... It, what, what is wrong with you that you're not you falling over about? yourself not, about how amazing it is? Because I'm a professional and I am analyzing Unacceptable. it. It's really good. And it, it gave me, it was cool because it's a Disney Marvel mashup feel. It's like, you know, one of our Disney Kingdoms books, but with Marvel characters. Which it is amazing. All right, guys. Brian Kessinger, he did a really, really good job on the art on this book. Uh, I guess Ryan will be doing his own podcast about that later. Yep. But 
because he's talking about something else first. Up next, we've got Guardians Team Up uh, number six, written by Bill Willingham, which was awesome to oh, see. Oh, yeah. That was a nice surprise. Yeah. Art by Diojo Saito, uh, colors by Chris Sotomayor. Uh, and the team up here is Gamora and Nightcrawler, as if the cover didn't give that away. Mm. But we've got Gamora and Nightcrawler. They're both uh, sword fighters, very skilled, badass warriors. And the premise is that they're on this crazy planet taking part in this fight to the death tournament. Uh, we start off seeing this Kree warrior who is the champion uh, that sets up something that we're going to get to further down the line. But uh, I like what Bill does here in establishing, like, the stupid personalities of these uh, the, the commentators for the sport because it's a sporting event televised a lot of spectators uh, and watching Gamora and Nightcrawler go through the various rounds taking down their opponents how and why and all that stuff and the real purpose of this becomes clear towards the end of the book and it's terrific I love the Nightcrawler Gamora dynamic a ton uh, I yeah so random but so much fun it, it made 100% yeah. sense Master of Kung Fu, number two, part of Secret Wars, written by Hayden Blackman, amazing art by Dalibor Talajik. Yeah, it is. Inks by Goran Tsutsuka, colors by Miroslav Mirva. I am in love with this book. Um, I don't just love this book. I'm in love with this book. You, you would take it, you know, to the prom or some such? I would maybe ask it to the prom. I mean, it's everything love. We, we talk about, like, you know, you know, movies like Bloodsport or stuff like that, where it's just... Uh, Perfect? Yeah. It's great, and it's digging into like you know just badass people fighting each other, but also this crazy quality. There's this awesome three pages, is it, of setup, same as it was last issue, where uh, Talajik uses a whole different style to again tell the story of this domain, uh, how these rival schools came together, how the Red Hand. Uh, stepped in front of the Iron Fist and the tournament and these people fighting and all these cool-looking characters who I want to know who they all are. And back to the present where uh, the assassins that Zheng Zhu has hired, uh, the Laughing Jerk and uh, the Red Psy and Iron Fist, they're all they're all chasing death. They're trying to find Shang-Chi. The steaming pizza steaming is my favorite. Steaming pizza is amazing. So Shang-Chi is underground with the Morlocks, and we get to meet the Morlocks here. We get to understand who they are. Meet they're the all, Morlocks. <laughs> they're all riffs on classic characters. You've got your Caliban. You've got your Marrow. You've got Cypher, Wolfsbane, Callisto, and Shadowcat. And I just, I don't know, man. There's something I love about, okay, we're doing a story in a realm where powers are not really a thing. It's all martial arts based. Blackman's just brilliant. Like, how do I portray... Marrow or Wolfsbane in a world where this is the conceit, or even Kitty Pride. Shang Chi is just so interesting. Is this just down on his luck? Like I have this sense of honor, but I'm so beaten down by the way my life has gone, and I'm this drunkard. He's this classic trope from any martial arts movie. And then they locate them. Razor Fist gets his hands cut off. By the way, ew. Uh, we have. <laughs> And and they find them and they fight and it's every aspect I love of like a good martial arts movie, but it's so Marvel. It's just so many little Easter eggs. It's so many little tip offs to this character, the relationship between these characters, and the story of Shane Chi's redemption. This slow burn where he's just this loser and he's going to be forced to pull himself back together to save the downtrodden. It made me happy. Made me inspired. It's just a great, 
great story. And this is going to be, you know, I mean, it has battle order rolled across the top, and it takes place because of Secret Wars, but it's so standalone. Yeah. Um, you don't need to know these characters. You don't need to know what's going on in Secret Wars. You can pick up this book and just enjoy a great story with amazing art and awesome characters. And then go watch Ip Man and Ip Man 2. Yeah, make sure you do that. Because they're so good. In that order. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to watch the first one before you got to understand second. You can't understand Ip Man 2. A lot of continuity in there, buddy. Yep. Uh, all right, up next we've got Princess Leia number four. I feel like each of these issues should have a subtitle like smarter than you, tougher than you, sneakier than you, cleverer than you, because uh, she is... It's probably more clever than you. Whatever. Uh, she is awesome. Uh, there's this great shot of her holding his giant gun, and it's like, yeah, that's legit. Yeah, you uh, get it. It's written by Mark Wade, art by Terry Dodson, inks by Rachel Dodson, colors by Jordi Belair, and uh, it's, you know, over the course of the series, we've seen Leia going to gather all the various Alderanians who are scattered around the galaxy because they ain't got no home planet, but she's still the princess. Got blown up. And she wants to protect them. Uh, one of her, one of the people on her ship has been talking with the, her sister, and unfortunately, her sister is part of the Empire. So Leia finds that out. She's like, okay, we're going to make this right. I'm going to save you. I'm going to save your sister. I'm going to save everyone because I am awesome. And uh, she's doing that. She sets a plan in motion, which basically is all about her giving herself up to the Empire. Uh, you know Leia. You know she's got six ways out of this one. So it's going to be great. Only one more issue left on this limited series. Uh, that's coming up soon. All right, guys. Time for Secret Wars proper. Numero tres. And, you know, it's a big deal. Uh, this is written by Jonathan Hickman. Art by Isad Rubik and colors by Eve Sporcina. A lot of people were bummed out that they weren't getting the the cast pages, and we have one in this issue. We sure do have one in this issue. We're bummed out about that because it's designed by Jonathan Hickman as well. Yes, it is. He's a designer. Yes. Um, so the first issue, you know, we saw the the end of everything. The second issue really gave us an overview of Battle World and and Doom's place and everything. And this gives a much more uh, in-depth side into who Doom is. It tells a lot about what, how we got to this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a, there's a lot of information in here, especially for those of you who are questioning, like, how the hell did everything happen? Why is yeah. everything going on? A lot this of is, answers we probably thought we were going to wait longer to get. We yeah. get right here from Doom and from Doctor Strange as well. Yes. Uh, we need those answers now because the ball is rolling. Crazy stuff is about to go down. Uh, but, you know, the end of last or last issue, we saw that um, the evil cabal had landed on Battle World. They've escaped the end of everything. Uh, and they started killing, and they killed a Thor, which sets the entire Thor core in motion. That sets Doctor Strange in motion. Uh, I love the way they establish like Doctor Strange being able to see more things. He sets this creepy <laughs> little like special eye that comes out of the back of his head, um, and he. He knows things, so he senses that someone else is left in the uh, the ship that brings the Cabal here, and it is Miles Morales, which was like, say what? Yeah. So we got Miles in here, and then we flash it's over. It's kind of cool, just all these like huge cosmic movers and shakers that Miles just kind of like sashays his way into the story. Yeah. And He's like, like, hey. What the heck is I, going on? I'm here too. Uh, I, I was <laughs> smart enough to survive. <laughs> he did, he did. Uh, we flip back over to Doom, and we get 
bunch of pages of uh, Doom and Susan Storm and humanity of it all. Even though Doom is God in this world, on this universe, uh, there's a lot to him. He mm-hmm. is, and I think that it was. I really like they established that he is uh, omnipotent, but not omniscient. Mm-hmm. So he can do anything, but he does not know everything, right. which is very important. I feel like that's gonna. I feel like that's gonna be important. It might be. Yeah. Uh, crazy, amazing art in here, but we get to see Doom's face. Right. That is. That's huge. huge. That's historic. Yeah. And it does I mean, not disappoint. How many, how many years of Doom's been around? What? Seventy. Like over well, well over 50, 60 years, and yeah. we've never seen his face. No, it's always been a big thing. So you can tell this is a huge story. Yeah. So we get to see Doom's face, and I think it's uh, also another important point to notice that he has the power to do anything, but he cannot fix his face. his face. Yep. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, all that's going on, and then we get to see Doctor Strange has his secrets of his own mm-hmm. in this world. I won't reveal too much more because you got to get to it, but. Man, things start really like boom, 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 going on, being explained, being, you know, like the stakes of everything are starting to yes. elevate. And then right at the end, we go back to find the Cabal and such amazing last few moments. I also would love to see like a gallery, a, a full book of just uh, Isad Rabik and Eve Swarcina doing uh, poses mm-hmm. of Thanos leaning against stuff, looking awesome, badass, kind of sexy. I kind of love that Thanos is like, I don't, I don't want to say stealth, but he's, he's almost like the stealth big bad guy of all this. He was just like, you know, he was in the, for all of uh, eight months later, since infinity, he's just been, kind of been in the background. He was a member of the cabal, like everyone looked up to him, but he's probably the biggest threat right now. And I love that because I love Thanos and I love the weight he adds to it. And the fact that he's just hanging out and he's going to be the guy who could potentially screw this all up. Yeah. Uh, and there's also, I think, a potent debate here, which is gets touched on this issue and some of the stuff we didn't talk about, is is Doom doing such a good job ruling this world that you just forget that he's Doom and just let him do his thing? Mm. That's probably mm. going to be the question we're going to be facing over the next mm. couple issues. Also, is he doing that good a job? Yeah. That's addressed in some of the time. It books. does, yeah. Uh, so good. Very, very good. So good. Staying within Secret Wars, uh, Battle World anthology we've got two stories one by writer david walker and artist jj kirby fun little bit uh team up between blade and howard the duck who fight dracula with a k because he's a duck so not to be confused with count duckula yeah i thought which was a favorite character of mine as a child i thought it might have been count duckula initially i thought we get the rights and i was very excited i wish but count duckula vegetarian would not have been going for this is as close as we're probably going to get to Count Dracula for a while, but yeah, Blade, Howard the Duck, they team, they fight, then they team up, classic Marvel. Then in the second story by Donny Cates with art by Marco Torini, it's set in Arcade's Coliseum, which we've seen. We saw it in the first issue of Planet Hulk. It's where gladiators go to battle. It's the story of General Thunderbolt Ross, who his daughter was killed in Greenland in the Hulk's world, and he is just an engine of destruction now. Uh, Taskmaster. A different kind of taskmaster here thinks he's getting a little too big for his britches puts plans into motions to potentially take him down by the way ross is half cyborg here and he's Naturally. war machine yep. makes sense uh so taskmaster's got a plan for war machine doesn't go as taskmaster plan and by the end it looks like doom of all people may have a problem on his hands in terms of war machine thunderbolt ross it'll be interesting to see if this goes anywhere or if it's just kind of a nice 
one-off tale. Doom got a bug up his butt in that issue, am I sure right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm-hmm. Uh, once again, taking a trip back to the Marvel Universe before it got destroyed, writer Dennis Hopeless, artist Javier Rodriguez, with inks by Alvaro Lopez and colors by Mutza Vicente, Spider-Woman number eight concludes the latest arc of Spider-Woman where she has discovered this community of girlfriends, wives, put-upon people uh, of supervillains, of male supervillains who just treated them poorly. We get to see the origin of this community of Cat, who runs it, who 18 months ago lived in Hoboken, which is bad enough for anybody. Seriously. But also she was in a bad relationship with a supervillain. Um, so she comes up with the idea to basically co-opt his tech and take her revenge. And then in the process, she founds this community. Uh, Jessica Drew has happened upon it. She has to decide what she wants to do here. Uh, can she let these... Because they're blackmailing their husbands and doing these crimes and stealing stuff. At the same time, they're all victims. Uh, should she allow them to continue as they're doing? Should she put a stop to it? That's what she has to decide while also trying to fight this woman who's wearing this, like, killdozer horrible outfit and beating the crap out of her. Ben Yurik's cool here. Uh, your boy Porcupine continues to be excellent. Porcupine, 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 <laughs> race trap. And it seems Porcupine is going to continue to be part of this book, as is Ben Yurik. There's more stuff coming up. Good stuff from Spider-Woman. I love that book so much. Yeah, me too. I'm a big fan of Spider-Woman. All right. Star Wars numero six, uh, written by Jason Aaron, art by John Cassidy, colors by Laura Martin. I will say, I'd suggest you read this one before you read Darth Vader this week. Yes, I would concur. Uh, because it sets up some stuff that Darth deals with. It actually... Darth, uh, you guys are on the first yeah, basis. Yeah, my boy DV. Wouldn't well, wouldn't you call him Vader though? Because Darth is just like a title, so that's just like calling him Mister. Sometimes you call people Mister. No. You don't call people Mister. No, you would call him if you guys are really. I'm, Maybe you haven't watched enough anime. Here's the point: if you guys are boys, as you claim, yeah. you would call him Vader. I would call him DV. Let's be honest. You can call him DV, but you would not call him Darth. Darth. That's absurd. So it sets up some stuff in in the Darth book, and uh, we've got we actually. If there's a moment where they line up, yep, and it is terrific. But before we get to that, you've got Luke versus Boba Fett, and it's a super fun fight. We've got Han and Leia on uh, on this planet where they're uh, Han is kind of a scoundrel and sneakily has found a bottle of wine. Huh? How about that? Crazy that he would just do that with this woman he has no intention of flirting with. Uh, all that's going on. We got the the big fight between uh, Luke and Boba Fett, and it's it's cool. It breaks down in a way. Oh, that's that never a fight we saw in the movies, right? No, not like a one on one. No, there's there's a little bit on in Return of the Jedi. Right. I know there's scenes where like they're yeah, yeah. In yeah, big never fights. The big no, one-on-one. we've never gotten like. A, I mean, we didn't get a lot of one on one fights. You got like Vader and Luke and Han and that guy who he shot. That wasn't um, much of a fight. Yeah, so that's one of the cool things about our Star Wars books. We can actually devote an issue to, hey, what if Luke fought Boba Fett? Totally. Uh, all this is going on, and we get to meet a member of Han's family. I will not say any more, because it's terrific. And uh, I can't wait to see where that goes, what we see more through you know, all these stories. And then we get that big Darth moment uh, right towards the end. And uh, terrific. I freaking love these Star Wars comics. Am I up again? No, nope, I'm up again. I was just I was pulling myself up to the microphone. Superior Iron Man number nine, the final issue of Superior Iron Man, written by Tom Taylor, arts by Yildiray Sinar, colors by Guru EFX. So this whole time, 
Tony, our Tony, the inverted jerk Tony, who's the superior Iron Man, has been trying to fend off this old program of himself, old brainwaves he recorded, basically as a failsafe in case he ever went bad. Uh, this failsafe would take over an armor, it would come after him, and it would neutralize him, uh, which has been unable to do so far. So finally, big moment that I think a lot of us have been waiting for, Pepper Potts steps up, gets in a new rescue suit, and takes matters into her own hands. So we got a ton of armors fighting each other. We get a big version of superior armor fighting, the second version of the Hulkbuster. We have rescue coming to the rescue. And we have, okay, so how do we deal with Tony Stark? But does Tony Stark have a plan to deal with everyone else? There's big stuff for Teen Abomination here. Uh, his whole world gets turned upside down. Pepper has some major choices to make. And the way it ends... Uh, and where it leaves Tony heading into Secret Wars is definitely not where I necessarily expected it to. So we'll see what happens to Tony. I mean, we saw what happened to Tony before Secret Wars. Mm. Died horribly. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll see what this may mean to the future. I mean, theoretically died horribly. We didn't see an actual death. It was just him fighting. It's right? true. We saw him and Steve Rogers locked in combat. Maybe they both survived and uh, everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Someone say Very immortal combat. I was just gonna, I was actually do, do, going do, to do, say do, that. Do, do, do. Yeah. I don't know the two. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's fine. We probably can't say it later. Yeah, probably anyways. not. Anyway, uh, on to the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, number six, uh, written by Rockus Ryan North, art by Electric Erica Henderson, uh, Rico Renzi on colors. I love this book so much, so so much. It's yes. jam packed. So much stuff going on. So much story. So much fun. stuff. Like, visual gags. The bang great, for your buck, man. Yeah. A lot of bang for your buck. So much bang for your buck. Uh, we've got Squirrel Girl. Uh, there's this great interaction with Hippo. Yeah. The Hippo. Great. Which I didn't know right was up Hippo's your alley. origin. I, I, didn't, I didn't even know this was... I think this is a new character. Really? I know we Did have we? a hippo, we, but I don't oh, think okay. this it's is... okay. It's not the same? I think this is a different hippo. Terrific! This is a great original... Multiple hippos. We are on the way of having a right. hippo super team. Truly in the golden age of hippo I am terribly excited. This hippo was a regular hippo and got changed with a person, and it's terrific, and he's really bummed about it. Like, the emotional gravitas of this hippo is terrific. He needs to rob banks because he needs to eat a lot. It is hilarious it's great uh all those interactions then we get to see a couple of other super characters come in uh which is just terrific uh who are these what are their names because they have uh chipmunk oh, chipmunk Hunk and, and koi boy koi boy thank yeah. you i was trying having trouble with koi boy uh they come in everyone has trouble with koi boy yeah he is trouble uh <laughs> they come in and there's just hilariousness and um you know like the the idea that all these characters have these secret identities um, is sort of broken apart in here uh, because you know uh, Nancy's just like come on seriously yeah, I recognize all of you you don't be don't be stupid about this yep. let's all hang out we we all know who we are what a great character Nancy is <laughs> oh she's amazing maybe the character find of twenty fifteen quite possibly she's up there uh, I will take uh, Umbridge yes with. Yeah. There's a page in here. They go to the zoo. They talk to the monkeys. These look like lemurs. Mm. These look like lemurs, guys. Mm. You calling out Erica Henderson? Here? I'm calling... Well, Erica drew what she drew. She drew lemurs. I mean... Did Ryan this, or the editor well, say, hey, these just look like monkeys to me? Did well, they not know? Well, I'm just the, saying. Oh, I'm going to say this. that From what I know of comic book process, typically you get a script and it's going to say, you know, draw monkeys. 
and then she drew lemurs, and then they didn't correct it. So I think there's blame on everyone here. Mm. Blame to go around. Yeah. Who edits and, this book? Will Moss does. Does he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and someone may correct me and say uh, lemurs are related to monkeys or are monkeys. That, and I, that what do you have to true. say to that person? Yeah, I would say, I don't care. Call yeah. him a lemur. Screw you, pal. It's a lemur. Look at that. He's going to be hopping around like a lemur. Um, anyway, that's all. And even here, it's monkey. Ah. Wow. You enjoyed this book. I love going to zoos, guys. Yeah, don't get distracted by from how much you love this book, though. Yeah. True. I love this book a lot. We got lions in here. Tigers. Uh, the whole idea is Tigers. that uh, Doreen is trying to help Nancy figure out what her superpower is. What well, animal she, yeah. she must be able to talk to a animal of some Chipmunk sort. Chipmunk, koi boy, squirrel girl. Surely Nancy the has that. The odds are in her favor. Yes. Definitely. Uh, and then, boom, we get a new character jumping into the fray. Girl squirrel. Oh, God. Girl squirrel. I forgot about girl oh, squirrel. Oh, boy. Ow. I need to know so much more about girl squirrel. Wearing a cute tiny hat just amazing and then it gets super creepy yeah so i don't know probably what's the darkest on. this book has ever gotten yeah Even the narrator gets scared off yeah which is awesome yeah it's really funny the narrator runs away yeah the omniscient narrator uh mew just such a badass yeah mew's yeah. great hissing mew's at moment to uh, shine. girl squirrel i love it i love this book so much even if they don't know what a lemur is yeah we'll find out all right wolverine's number 20 written by charles soul and ray fox uh, with art by Juan Doe, our boy, our buddy, our pal. This is it, guys. This is the end of the road for Wolverines. What a what end a, of the road. Man, just gonna, it's just the Wolverines. Determined to get us sued this week. Yes. Um, what a ride this has and. been through Fang and Blade and all this crazy stuff that's happened. Uh, we find ourselves in the Everglades at the nexus of all realities. Mystique has had this plan this whole time. It has something to do with Destiny. We're not entirely sure what it is. She fights Man-Thing. Portal shows up. Portal's been there. Portal helps her get some energy. The rest of the Wolverines are fighting Siphon, trying not to lose their healing factors. We find out what Mystique was after this whole time. Uh, Shogun and Deathstrike come to kind of an understanding. X-23 decides what her future is going to be. Sabretooth and Dokken have reckonings of their own. And then, boom, out of nowhere, kind of stealth Secret Wars tie in at the end. We find out that Destiny knew Secret Wars works coming. And um, not to keep too much away, because we don't do that on this show, but... Yeah, we don't we do not do spoilers here. I, the way I interpreted it was that possibly Mystique, if she had followed Destiny's orders to Letters of the Law, could have maybe prevented Secret Wars somehow? I don't know. I mean, or at least there would have been more of a chance, but dun, she dun, dun. makes it in, so maybe Seer Ors is all Mystique's fault. Anyways, thank you for 20 issues of craziness, Wolverines. That book was off-the-wall bonkers. I'm going to miss it. Yeah, totes. All right, we've got Extinction Agenda, number one, written by Mark Guggenheim, art by Carmine D.G. and Domenico, colors by Nolan Woodard. Uh, here we are. So, Extinction Agenda, definite favorite for one of my, you know, classic... Oh, I had... I remember having this beat-up old trade. I feel like they all were. For some reason, every copy of Extinction Agenda I've ever seen, like, the trade is just beat to hell. And it had a white cover, and it was mm-hmm. really glossy, and it had... Did it have Wolverine, Archangel, and Cable on yeah, the front? Yeah, it did. Yeah. Uh, and it had, like, gold, shiny letters. Like, I can picture it, because I read it mm-hmm, so many mm-hmm. times as a kid. I didn't read Extinction Agenda until years later, because mm. I think I started reading comics, like, the summer after Extinction Agenda. So I I just never read it, and then I read it years later. It was kind of like, oh, cool, this is where this came from, and this is why. Because, I mean, it's the origin of basically, like, Havoc and Wolfman's relationship. It's 
where the New Mutants kind of became X-Force, so it was pretty big. Yeah, and you had Jim Lee art, you had Rob yep. Liefeld art. I mean, there was... Los Portacio? Maybe? I think that was... Yeah, because it was, it was Uncanny, it was New Mutants, and it was X-Factor. No, it wasn't Will's Protasio. It was someone else on the X-Factor portions. But I just remember the fact that, yeah, you had Liefeld and Lee, and it was crazy. Yeah, and char- major character died. And mm-hmm. Cameron Hodge was just awful. The worst. Which, uh, you know, we get a little bit of Cameron Hodge business here right at the beginning, but that's just the setup to everything. Yeah. So this is... The first know, version of Extinction Agenda I ever got... Oh, this 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 will be for you, is that the first version of Extinction Agenda I ever encountered would be the uh, seminal Slave Island episode of X-Men the Animated Series, which I feel like was kind of an Extinction Agenda approximation. Yeah. Uh, here, we're in Genosha. We get the setup of you know the business that goes on in Genosha with... You know, the all the X teams coming together to depose Cameron Hodge and his awful rule. And here, uh, a team of the X Men have stayed. Uh, Alex Summers. You know, we've got Rain. Uh, we've got Karma shows up in here. Richter. Yeah, Richter was interesting because they seemed in the flashbacks to make a big show of him like saying goodbye to Rain. But then, not only is he still in Genosha, but he has a relationship with a different character. Yeah. So I'm hoping they get more into that in the. the subsequent issues totally um subsequent no no i was hoping you were going to keep with that what? awkward the phrasing. awkward phrasing of yeah. subsequent is that that's subsequent right there. um there are two characters here that i'm not familiar with simon Locke, bulletproof never heard of him okay and think he's new wicked Ghost wicked Summoner. is from chris claremont and aaron lapresti's short-lived pre-house of m excalibur series the Ryan is supporting his. No, uh, that was New Excalibur. Okay. This was the one that had Xavier and Magneto on Genosha trying. To, it was right after. Makes um, perfect sense for the. Yeah, com- no, she she was a she was a Genosha referee. It was them like uh, Morrison's run had just ended, mm-hmm. and this is where Magneto was revealed to be alive and not actually Zorn. It was a right, and then uh, point uh, of Calist- great contention. Callisto had like the so was there tentacles. with the tentacle arms yeah. and. I'm doing like a thing. Yeah, that he's like doing I a tentacle arm. Omega Sentinel was there. Yeah. It's okay. uh, it's collected somewhere. Cool. It's probably uh, on MU. So the um, the X characters who are in Genosha are trying desperately to hold things together because there's food shortages, there's problems all going on, and there there's a disease uh, running rampant that is that could kill all the mutants if it gets out, and they're trying to contain it while still finding a cure and still you know keeping everybody fed. And then you find out that. There are a whole, there's a whole other area where all the other mutants mm. are who aren't dead yeah. and aren't dying and aren't dealing with this and they're just happy and they're playing softball. Like, yeah, what the like hell? nothing's going on. You also have the aside to Doom here. Doom appears yes. here, and that was that was actually the one thing that like confused me. Where we, you know we were talking about in Secret Wars, like oh Doom's doing a pretty good job with all this, yeah. and here he's just like Ugh, mutants. Yeah, he's like wait, they're the worst. You you could possibly bring your stupid gross mutant disease yeah. here. Get out. But at the end, I'm just like, dude, you're omnipotent. Yeah. Just yeah, cure their just disease. Go, like, ah, this, this I'm sure me. he has a reason for what he's doing. Sure. I, he seems pretty trustworthy. Yeah. Uh, but then we do get the, the baseball game where, you know, hmm. all the X characters, natural. I like that it says it's game number 1065 because yeah. they've just been playing. They've been an ongoing series, man. The skies are blue. I also like that Wolverine admits that he hates playing baseball. Yeah. 
Uh, and then a big throwdown as the characters from Genosha are, you know, have come to to deal with something. I won't I won't spoil anything mm-hmm. here. Uh, but I we like that. the introduction of some of like the more recent characters involved here. Yeah. Uh, little cameos, you know, like a it's just great. A lot of fun stuff. And then uh, crazy weird ominous last mm. page. So before we get on to the final book of the week, uh, just to go back to Wicked for a sec, you and I had a Twitter exchange this week with Rob Williams, Marvel writer. Yeah. Uh, hasn't done anything for us for a little bit, but great writer. And our old colleague Brian Cunningham from our wizard days who now works at another company um and we talked about how like we mentioned maggot basically for two seconds and a bunch of people freaked out and brian was like what and we're like yeah man like this is the internet where like you mentioned any obscure x-men character and there's there's a vocal contingent like we would just spend a couple minutes being like who's wicked and explaining that but you know there was like a segment of the Twitterverse that freaked out when they were at Extinction Agenda number one and Wicked was in it. Yeah. And that's, I love it. Yeah. Terrific. Anyways. All right. Last book of the week is Years of a Future Past number one, written by Marguerite Bennett, art by Mike Norton, colors by FCO Placencia. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it is, I gotta say, like, I love Mike Norton's art. I've seen him do a ton of different stuff, and he's just. Like it feels like a very cool, very different style from what I'm used to from him, mm-hmm. and it fits the tone of the book. It fits the setting. It fits like your expectations of what uh, years of future past books mm-hmm. will be. Uh, we get another zoo, huh. some zoo at Bronx Zoo, which is my favorite zoo. Zoos all over the place. Zoos this week. everywhere. Uh, but it's you know set in this this domain that is you know the mutants are uh, almost hunted to the the ends of that race uh the sentinels are in control we've got senator kelly uh who is now is he president kelly i can't remember he's he's still a jerk no yep. matter what station he has in politics uh we've established a new character the daughter of colossus and kitty pride sure. Uh, who is Christina or Chrissy, as Logan likes to call her? Yeah, that was actually when Margaret Bennett was uh, talking to us about crafting this book. Like the whole germ of the idea came from there was one line in Days of Future Past where Kitty mentioned she had a daughter, and she said for years she's just been like that. That's a great story waiting to happen. Yeah. It's like the daughter of Kitty Pride and Colossus in Days of Future Past. So that's kind of where this came from. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's President Kelly. Okay. Uh, but, Congratulations to him. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, you've got this core group of mutants. You know, Wolverine, uh, Colossus, Shadowcat, uh, Rachel Gray, who's Phoenix, um, and Magneto, and you know, they are they have found a way to hopefully rebel against the Sentinels, against the the, the camps, and everything that's going wrong here. Uh, and while that's going on, we get to shoot over to like the military side of things, the behind the scenes of how this nightmare is going on. We see where Mystique and Blob are. Mm-hmm. And, like that was brutal. Oh yeah, that was rough. That was really really intense. Uh, and our characters, you know, there's back and forth. We see Wolverine's kid. Oh yeah, Wolverine's got a kid. He's pretty cool. He's cool. Um, kind of a bad boy vibe to him. Yeah, it's I I don't. Like I, I like that. I'm not sure who the mother. Oh, who the mother be. is? Uh, do Maybe. you have an idea? No, hmm. I have no idea. Hmm. Yeah, based on the powers, I have no idea. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Kid's name is Cameron. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm excited to learn more about him. Maybe Cameron Hodges is uh, his mom. Well, 
<sighs> Dude, Cameron Hodges like did all the robot parts. He could make the he could make the parts totally necessary. Can make them parts. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, we get to see uh, and, and how it connects to Secret Wars and the doom of it all right by the end. Yeah, it's great. All right, we have come to the end of this particular thing. I'm going to go to Intern Alec first because he's sitting here patiently and quietly with his microphone. Uh, what book are you most excited to read that we just described? Um, uh, it's a really uh, spider-heavy week, and Spider-Man is my favorite. Oh, um, there you go. So I'd have to say uh, Renew Your Vows uh, just because I haven't really gotten to read a lot where Peter and Mary Jane are actually That's right, because you're a kid. I yeah, Tiny I mean, little baby. You're, you're a the, tyke. probably the first title I read that they were married was uh, the Civil War run, and mm. nothing in, uh, and in I guess House of M mm. um, during that. Um, but I'm really excited for it. But uh, all the the Spider titles, especially uh, Secret Wars, that Miles Morales is making yeah, yeah. A, an appearance. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Intern Alec has a great radio voice. Yeah. I gotta say, very commanding. Face for radio. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> I oh he's okay. all right. <laughs> Go up to guess, guys. No, Intern Alec is a very uh, very handsome man well, and a very you. good voice for radio, and I have complimented him too much. So Ryan, what's your tune of the week? Um, it's hard to not pick Secret Wars, right? Well, that's what we've said. Yeah, it is hard not to pick it, so but good. I'm not going to. What? I'm going with Master of Kung Fu number two. Nice. I think that book is just the S. Ooh, yeah, the it's S. the S. Um, um, Secret Wars is great, but I Master of Kung Fu really floated, floated my boat. Groot, Renew Your Vows, uh, super high up there for me. Um, the Star Wars titles. I mean, it's, it's a good-ass week, yo. Very good week. We said that when we got the books last week. Yeah. Um, we didn't even get Future Imperfect in our stack. But we still really read it. One. We still read it because we care about you guys. Yeah. All right, collections on sale this week, Avengers Millennium. Uh, here's a cool one, House of Hem, which... Was included in our bundle as a floppy, but I counted it as a trade because I've been reading it for like the last three days. It's it's so nine thousand pages long. And um, I love every it's page of it. All of Fred Hembrook, who's this great Hembeck. Um, Hembeck. Uh, sorry to Fred Hembeck, who's who's my Facebook friend who wishes me happy Aww. birthday every year, and then I screwed up his name. I'm not a friend with him. You should friend him. I bet he'll accept. He will. Um, I'll make him. Accept. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's a collection of all the short stories and longer stories he's done throughout the years. He's a cartoonist. He's Hilarious! He's got a great take on Marvel Universe. Um, what I really like is they have the Fantastic Four roast in there where it's all the different characters. Hembeck wrote it, and he did like the layouts, but it's all the different characters making fun of the Fantastic Four from their 20th anniversary. But like each individual artist of the time draws their character. So like Frank Miller draws the Daredevil pages, and Dave Cockrum draws the X-Men. It's very cool. Very cool stuff. It's great. And, uh, like, a lot of that stuff just reminds me of my childhood. Yeah, it reminded like, me of Like, all the little Hembeck stuff that would pop up randomly yeah. in different stories. It was I, great. Well, I remember Fred Hembeck destroys the Marvel Universe, which is also in here, was, you know, it's a long book. It was in my orthodontist's waiting room. And I read it over the course of, like, five visits. So, like, two years or something. And then, like, when it wasn't there one day, I think I was despaired because I don't think I finished it in time. So there you go. Now I can. Now I can have it to own. Marvel Masterworks Not Brand Ech Volume 1 hardcover. It's a great week for uh, Marvel comedy. That is very exciting. I know. I know you've you've been wanting to read Not Brand Ech for a while. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Marvel Superhero Secret Wars Battle World box set slipcase hardcover. This thing is ridiculous. Yeah, it's immense too. Um, 
yeah, we've talked about it in the past. You guys should go get all the details on that. It's super expensive, but worth it. Marvel Universe Ant-Man Digest. Star Wars of the Marvel Years, Omnibus, Volume 2, another hardcover. Thanos Infinity Relativity, original graphic novel, the latest Jim Starlin OGN. Oh, I gotta read that, Jamie. So yeah, there's a lot of good hardcover stuff out this week. And finally, uh, Venom by Rick Remender, the complete collection, Volume 1. Very underrated little uh, jam there. And over on the Marvel Comics app, everything we talked about is available digitally. Uh, Big stuff also, uh, for many of you who have asked... Uh, right around Free Comic Book Day, they were like, ah, oh, I can't go. My, my shop right. didn't have the book. Which was like a month out. ago. It was a month like, ago. Let's not act like this was, you know, people have been wailing and gnashing their teeth for months. Oh, Jerks. right around, you know, the time of Free Comic no, Book I'm Day. No, I'm saying, I'm insulting them. I'm saying, like, you guys didn't have to wait that long. <laughs> Just freaking chill out. <laughs> anyway, on the app, you've got uh, the Avengers Free Comic Book Day book. You've got the Secret Wars Free Comic Book Day book. And you've got a Spanish edition of the Avengers Free Comic Book Day book. There you go. If you want to learn, learn both languages, point yeah. out. So they're on the uh, too much on Alan. the app. Yeah, too comment much. down. Sorry. Hey, need a little less. Okay. Come on. I will say nothing from you're, now you're, on. You're, you're saying you are constantly stuff. saying things, saying you're not going to say anything. Just don't say anything. All right. Good. Where were we? Marvel premiere forty-seven and forty-eight. Marvel team up one hundred three. Marvel two and one eighty-seven. I believe those are all Scott Lang issues. Thank you, right? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, collections on the app this week. We've got Avengers Millennium, Fear Itself, Ghost Rider, House of Hem, Secret Invasion Frontline, Shadowland Street Heroes. That's a great just title. Shadowland Street Heroes. Yeah. Wait, let's tell hey, it like it is. Guys, we punch. Yeah. Uh, Thanos, The Infinity Relativity, Venom by Rick Remender, The Complete Collection, Volume 1, War of Kings, Road to War of Kings, and World War Hulk Incredible Herc. There's new stuff on Marvel Unlimited, but we don't know what it is because it was not on the page when I went to look it up. You can try to find it while I talk about the news. Uh, In comics, we announced Deadpool versus Thanos, which is going to be written by Tim Seeley. It's going to have Deadpool and Thanos forced forced to team up because uh, Mistress Death has gone missing. They got to find her. We did a spotlight on Ian Herring as well as another one on Jessica Colin yesterday. Those are two more of the Secret Wars colorists. Cyclops won our Hero of the Month competition for May, and now there are six new candidates up for you guys to vote on. Uh, We're also starting to slowly spool out details of all new, all different Marvel, uh, specifically that there's going to be a special edition of previews available on July 1st. It's going to tell you everything about all new, all different Marvel, but depending on when you listen to this or when it goes up, there will be more details available this week. Over in games... Doctor Doom celebrated the second year anniversary of Marvel Heroes 2015. There's a lot more cool stuff coming from those guys who just came up on two years. Congratulations to them. Over in Avengers Alliance, uh, one spec op wrapped up. Frustratingly for me, as four hours away from completing my final task to get the Hulkbuster armor, I did not get it because I didn't have enough ISO. So I'm going to be extra dedicated to the next one, which is a big one, which is part one is going to be a multi-part spec op of Spider-Verse and the reward hero for this one is Miles Morales Lockbox hero is Superior Spider-Man and both Electro and Karn will be featured as new villains and finally in Marvel Puzzle Quest this week uh, kind of a shocker for me because I think of it as hey hey this is a game for everybody and I'm always shocked when this character shows up but Carnage in the house getting violent it's like when he showed up on the saturday morning cartoon for spider and i was like what carnage really but uh he's great he's a great character yeah um so looking at marvel unlimited i'm not sure if we had these last week but cataclysm point one 
uh, Web of Spider-Man from 2009, which uh, looks awesome. He's got these great painted covers. Yeah. Uh, issues two, three, and four. Yeah, that was a Steve Wacker, Tom Brennan joint where they basically did uh, they did villain spotlights every nice. issue. Uh, we've got Dark Rain, Lethal Legion uh, issues in here. Dark X Men: The Beginning. Uh, we've got War of Kings, Who Will Rule one shot. Some Deadpool Mark with a Mouth, Scroll Kill Crew issues up in here. More Dark X Men. Uh, we've got War of Kings, Savage World of Sakaar, uh, Marvels. I have the camera uh, up in here. Astonishing Tales. We get some issues of, uh, and we go into uh, some crazy X Men stuff. So we've got issues of Apocalypse. You know the crossover of Apocalypse the Twelve. Ooh, I love that one. Uh, X Men number one hundred and seven, which is a maximum security issue. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Wolverine stuff and X Men stuff in in like that realm. Peter Parker, Spider Man, um, which is part of the Eighth Day. Oh yeah, that was like a late '90s uh, crossover with Avengers. Yeah, uh, lots of X Men in um, like the realm of you know issue ninety two, ninety three, ninety four. Excalibur number ninety five. X Man. This is the way we should do 12. this every week. I love this. You're just scrolling through. I'm just looking at the app and it's yeah. terrific. We got an X Babies issue of X Men. That's number yeah. one forty six. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's been added, like crazy stuff that's been added all over here. I mean, people asking for us to fill in issues. Ton of stuff being filled in. Spider Man twenty ninety nine. Uh, the Excalibur cover where Captain Britain had the. The red, oh, the red nose. Oh, uh, so good. Predated the whole red nose uh, day thing. Yeah, but like Alan Davis art up in here. Yeah, There's Alan Excalibur Davis. number 52 was one of those books that I read over and over as a kid. Randomly got Which it. Which is it? Uh, it's just like I know the cover has Jean Grey and everybody blasting Professor X and it's got cool. some dialogue in the cover. It's very cheeky. Uh, Spider-Man number 16 from 1990, which is the... Uh, sideways issue mm. so to speak that was yeah. the X-Force crossover X-Force and with Spider-Man. McFarlane and Life. I had the trade it drove me nuts to read yeah. because you have to flip it halfway through yeah uh, X-Factor stuff in here more Web of Spider-Man Spectacular Spider-Man X-Factor stuff like early X-Factor um, Deathlock uh, stuff with Marvel Spotlight there's Submariner issues tons of Submariner a lot uh, of stuff on Marvel Unlimited my gosh we've added a ton of comics to this so you guys uh, dig, dig in. in. Yeah, Jinx. there it is. Yeah. I did it. All right, well, I guess I can't talk for the next segment. Hooray! Next segment is going to be West Coast. Yep. I uh, don't know who's out there, because every time I say throw to someone, they're like, oh, that person wasn't here this week. So whoever's there, say something. Fingers crossed, Strami, the Wolfman, and Wacker. Hello there this week in Marvelites. This is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom, joined by... Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh. For another thrilling installment this well, what a oh Wolfman! Oh For another thrilling installment of What a what Wolfman! Wolf hey, everybody, welcome to What Up Wolfman. Today, my guest is no, no, isn't What Wolfman. This is uh, the Strami and the Wolfman Ooh. show, starring the Wolfman and Strami. However, however, fair warning to everyone listening: next week, oh no, next week you will get another episode of What Up Wolfman. Did you? You said you listened to that episode? Yes, I did. How was it? I listened to it. I was able to talk by myself for probably a surprisingly long amount of time. That didn't surprise me. Oh. Um, I just imagine you just sitting at home by yourself, practicing talking to yourself. 
So this weekend. Uh, uh, so yeah. So this weekend uh, in Marvel, let's start off things up with uh, we got some movie stuff. We had a new Ant Man preview. We had some new Ant Man images. This is what we got. All right. Last week, the end of last week, we announced a challenge. Oh, the microtech. Uh, the microtech challenge, challenge targeted towards. Uh, 14 to 18-year-old girls that we're encouraging them to try and make something big out of something very small. That's kind of the, the well, we're theme. Well, we're not encouraging. We are challenging them. This good is point. a challenge. That is a good point. We are issuing a challenge. We are laying down a gauntlet, if you will. Uh, I, I don't want to get into all the details of it. Beca- but, but, but there are some awesome prizes, aren't there? Yes. The winners get to fly out to Los Angeles, California, also known as Hollywood, California, and you well, get... Well, actually, Hollywood, there, there isn't actually no town called Hollywood. Hollywood Nights. That's what, anyway, uh, you get to fly out to Hollywood, California. You get to attend the world premiere of Marvel's Ant-Man. There's also, you get to go to Disneyland. There's something going on there that you get to... All sorts of... Awesome, crazy prizes. And maybe you'll even get to meet the Wolfman. No, no. No, don't worry. We'd never do that to you. No, that's that's for the person who comes in last place. <laughs> we fly you out here, and you must listen to me and record an exclusive episode of What Up, Wolfman. So, yeah, head uh, to Marvel.com to see that video starring Evangeline Lilly. Yep. She tells you a little bit more about that whole challenge. Also, in Marvel's Ant-Man news, you are correct. We posted 12 new images from the movie. You get to see Scott in action, if you will. There's one really cool shot of him, like, diving that it's – when it's a still, it's kind of hard to tell that he's diving. Yes, but no, I know I know the image and the sequence you're talking about. Yeah, uh, but that sequence is, is a cool sequence probably, right? You, you've – We've seen it. I can say that? Yeah, we can say we've seen it. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a cool sequence. Then, yes. Confirmed. 100%. A-plus thumbs up. Cool scene, according to me. You also get to see him hanging out with some ants. That's pretty cool. I don't mean his parents' sisters, because that would be aunts. No, you can say ants. I always said ants. Yeah, you would always say ants. Yeah. And we also had an Ant-Man TV spot, uh, a 60-second TV spot, which is pretty cool. You get a good glimpse of Scott Lang. It it actually has a pretty solid narrative of Hank Pym introducing Scott Lang to the idea of the Ant-Man suit, a little bit of the training, a little bit of him just putting the Ant-Man suit abilities to the test. And uh, we also include the end of the movie in that TV spot. Did you know that? Very end of the movie. We do? Yeah. They spoil the end. I'm fairly certain that's not in there. Yeah. No. Spoiler alert. Since I have seen Ant-Man, I can tell you the end features Taylor Swift and Kendrick Lamar. That wasn't in the trailer or in the movie. You're thinking of something else. I might be, are you sure I'm thinking of something else? I think else? you're thinking of something else. Anyways, that's all we've got for Marvel's Ant-Man. No, it's not all we got. We released really? a poster last week, too. We did, yeah, with him flying on the ant. Oh, and that's all right, because racing past. Because uh, that was the the, the we, Twitter. The we story mentioned of we mentioned last week to keep your eyes on Twitter, but we didn't actually talk about what ended up happening. 
And so that was that cool storyline thing where you got to click through, see a whole bunch of tweets, learn a whole bunch about Ant-Man. Yep. <laughs> and uh, over in the world of TV, of course, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's off the air until the fall. Uh, well, I shouldn't say off the air because I think they may be doing some reruns, but it's no new episodes until the fall. In the meantime, we've announced that Luke Mitchell, who played Lincoln on the last seven or so episodes of season two, has been upped to a series regular. So he will now be part of the uh, regular cast for the upcoming third season. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for his third season. I've been hearing some bits and pieces about some of the things that they've got cooking, and uh, it all sounds very, very interesting to me. Well, good. I'm glad it's interesting to you. But you know what? I, so, some of us just don't have impossibly high standards like you do, Patrick. Well, that's your fault, not Patrick, mine. Patrick once criticized the Mona Lisa as not being realistic enough. And um, she just wasn't smiling enough. It's yeah. I want to see. I want to see teeth. I want to see smiling with the top half of the the face and the bottom half of the face. I don't think that would have made the Mona Lisa better. See, that's how you intimidate other like predators in the wild is you bare your teeth. That's something wolves do. Mm. What do you got going on over in animation? Well, we announced that Spider-Man and the Avengers will be returning for brand new seasons in with 2016 brand, with brand new titles. With brand new titles, which is why I didn't want to confuse anybody. And I only mentioned Spider-Man and the Avengers because currently we know and love Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors. When it comes back to season four, it's going to be Marvel Spider-Man versus the Sinister Six. There's still an Ultimate in there, isn't there? Did I skip the Ultimate? Yes. I apologize. Still, it's Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man. It's still Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man versus, the Sinister, versus Six. the Sinister Six. What about Avengers? Well, Avengers will no longer be Marvel's Avengers Assemble. It will instead be Marvel's Avengers Ultron Revolution. Who's Ultron? Ultron. Um, he's, he's this guy. Oh, he's, he's Vision Ultra. Roommate. He's, he's Ultra. Roommate. From, oh, you mean from Marvel What The? Yeah, no, I saw I saw his first appearance ever in Marvel What The. He's, he's Vision's roommate. Now I remember. Thank you. Yeah. The, and, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. So... Spoiler alert, in Season 3, Ultron is back. And in uh, Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man, he's going to be taking on the Sinister Six. And so we've got more information about that on Marvel.com. You'll also hear myself and Steven Wacker talk a little bit more about that in just a few moments. But this Sunday, make sure to tune in to the conclusion of Days of Future Smash on Marvel's Hulk and the Agents of Smash. That airs at 8 a.m. this Sunday on Disney XD, and the leader goes to the future, and Hulk chases leader into the future. To the future! And Hulk meets the next generation of the Agents of Smash. All right. Well, that's everything we got for you this week. Of course, like Patrick said, stay tuned, because in just a couple minutes... Uh, not even a couple minutes. Not, unless couple you really, seconds, really drag out this, this, <laughs> this sign-off. Uh, he'll be back talking with uh, Steve Wacker on Marvel Animation. Um, until then, like I said, next week you will be graced with another episode of What Up Wolfman as I will be... Feel free to unsubscribe now. Well, I can't. And then resubscribe in eight days. <laughs> I can't tell you where I'll be, but I will not be here next Wednesday. So Where are you going to be? 
Uh, I can't say. Just tell me. I shut it off. Oh, I shut the recorder oh, okay. off. Okay, I'm gonna be. Thank you for listening this weekend, Marvelites. We just had to edit that last bit out right there. Uh, can't believe you're going there. Wish wish you a splendiferous weekend, a splendiferous er week. And as always, remember, drink your Ovaltine. That's the end of Secret Wars. Wow, um, that's uh Oh, and thanks thanks for joining us this week in Marvel. Uh, this is Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh, and I'm just discussing the end of Secret Wars with... Stephen Wacker from Marvel Animation Studios. And wow, I did not know... Pretty crazy. That's cool that we got Taylor Swift and Kendrick Lamar to give us their rights yeah. to incorporate them into Secret Wars. So I expect a lot of Condor Man next year, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure no one listens to the introduction yeah. of our segment anyway, so this, this is fine. Uh, anyways, This Week in Marvel, thanks for tuning in. Unless you shut, unless you always get to this part of the podcast and just shut it off, or skip to your next podcast. Well, they put it an hour and forty-five minutes in, so we should ask. Them, this we should really ask them to lead with us some week. Yeah. Just start with with us, so that people are forced to listen to us to get to the All conversation. Right, so while Ben and Ryan are oh in the boy. bathroom, we are here to talk about what's going on in the world of Marvel animation. Big, big. Big news. I'm exhausted this week. from this week, and it's only Wednesday. We announced some really exciting stuff. There's going to be another season of Ultimate Spider Man. That's right. It's Ultimate Spider Man versus the Sinister Six. Uh, season four of our uh, long running Spider Man animated series. It makes it, by our count, by the count, the unscientific work I've done, it is the longest running superhero animated series ever. Uh, yeah. Once we get into season four. Um, so we're re- really excited with uh, new uh, story editors, uh, Doc Wyatt and Kevin Burke, who are coming over from uh, Avengers um, and uh, over from, from Marvel. It's uh, The executive on the show is uh, Harrison Wilcox, who's been here before. And those three have really concocted a uh, fantastic se- season, along with uh, a, uh, supervising director Alex Soto. Um, we're definitely pouring a lot into season four. Lots of spider ca- characters. It's going to be almost like Spider-Verse every week. Oh, really? Uh, that said, we are doing a follow-up to Spider-Verse as part of this se- season. So what you saw in season three. Um, in the early half of season three. Yeah. Th- uh, the, the Spider-Verse epic from season three, we do the sequel to that uh, in this season. Oh, really? I'm really excited about it, yeah. That is pretty exciting. Yep. Is it Spider-Verse 2, Electric Boogaloo? Is it Spider-Verse <laughs> yeah. 2, The Quickening? Spider-Verse uh, 2, The Squeakquel. It's Spider-Man 2. Uh, uh, I can't think of another. Two Spider-2-verse. Two, <laughs> two Spider-2-verses. <laughs> cool. Cool. That's pretty uh, pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. But, uh, and so that'll be coming in 2016. Now, you would think in a normal, it comes, yeah, it'll start in 2016. You would think in a normal week, that's probably the only announcement, right? Absolutely. I can't think of any other announcements that could be as exciting as that. Except. Huh? Uh, we also announced the return of Marvel's Avengers Assemble on Disney XD in 2016. So season three of uh, Avengers Assemble um, with uh, new story editors Eugene Sun and Danny Wolf, uh, our director Jeff Allen, um, and we are widening up the uh, scope of this show, uh, something dramatic. Lots of new ca- characters we talked about in the announcement, Captain Marvel and Black Panther and Ms. Marvel. Um, so really diving deep into the Marvel Universe. And we should mention, uh, you, you did mention it, that, that this season uh, of Ultimate Spider-Man was referred to as Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors, 
when we come back for season four, because the focus will be with the Sinister Six, that it'll be Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man versus right. the Sinister Six. So Avengers. And Avengers, currently Avenger, known as currently Avengers, known Assemble, Avengers Assemble. And will be... Become Avengers Ultron Revolution. So what you're saying is Ultron may or may not be a factor in season three? Uh, it's I can't talk whether or not Ultron's involved in season three. We're keeping it very top secret. I can tell you that the entire thing takes place in 1776. Oh, boy. I and, like this. Uh, there's a big uprising against World War II. Rule. World War II, right? <laughs> right, right? Right during World War II. <laughs> World War II. Um, and uh, it's when Babe Ruth was president. Oh yes, good old Babe Ruth. Um, no, Ultron is back. Um, you know, for those kids coming out of uh, Age of Ultron, we're going to see the return of old Ultron, and he comes back angrier than e- than ever. And it's going to take the combined power of uh, the entire Marvel universe to bring him down this time, including characters like Miss Marvel and Black I Panther. I already did the list, Patrick. I know. I'm, I'm just refreshing myself. So we got a uh, Marvel guy and uh, yeah, Marvel guy, Marvel guy, Marvel guy, the, Marvel the leopard. Person. Marvel is Marvel man. Is Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, uh, Great. soon to star in a major motion picture. So I hear. Uh, there's Black Panther, soon uh, to star in a major Carol motion picture. Also Carol Danvers. Also Carol Danvers. And uh, Ms. Marvel. We have Ant Man. Um, I can give the podcast listeners a hint that we might <laughs> see a little bit of the Vision. The vision. They might catch a glimpse of the vision. Might catch a glimpse of the vision. We might see a little Inhumans. Cool. And uh, we might see a little Bruce Banner. Ooh. And they're going to go up against threats like, uh, like uh, Ultron, Ultron, uh, Baron Zemo, Masters of Evil, um, and the whole season is built. The season-long arc that we're telling builds towards a little something called uh, uh, Civil War. Huh. So, which uh, took place in 1492. That's right, in 1492. In 1492, that's right. The gray uniforms fought the blue. Discovered. Barack Obama discovered Mexico. Perfect. Now we've been talking a lot about long-term plans. We don't know Marvel history, but we can tell you exactly when the Fantastic Four were created. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, the 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 U.S. history a little loosey goosey. Marvel history, we can. But as far as the debut appearance of Scott Lang or or what have you, uh, we got that down pat. So this week, this week we have the epic conclusion to the Days of Future Smash storyline on Marvel's Hulk and the Agents of Smash. So this Sunday at 8 a.m. on Disney XD, the uh, uh, Hulk goes into the future, That's I right. believe. And uh, the Smashers have to get him back. Um, the leader's plan is coming to fruition. It's the uh, it's the leader's final uh, final stand in the future. Um, it's what we've all been building towards through this four-parter. Um, and I think it's going to sort of rearrange the pieces a little bit for uh, Hulk and his sm- Smashers as they... Uh, try to stop the leader from taking over all of time. And uh, also in the future, he meets the next generation of yeah. the agents of Smash. So he meets the the offspring, almost like the, if you're a fan of Muppet Babies, it's kind of like that, but with Hulk. Sort of like, yeah, Muppet Babies. It's with essentially, this episode is a recreation of one episode of the Muppet it's Babies. It's an homage is what I'm to saying. whatever it is you're talking about. Got it. But, but, but yeah, it's a really fun episode. Um, it's very emotional for Hulk. Um, we see a couple seeds uh, of uh, uh, 
plot lines from earlier in the season pay, pay off, particularly with uh, with uh, old Hulk um, as Hulk runs into him again. So it should be cool. Great. And so it's on Disney XD on Sunday morning. The, yeah, this Sunday at 8 a.m. So get up. Get, get up. Robe on. In the words of uh, Mr. Bob Marley, get up, stand up, turn on Disney turn XD. On, yeah. Someone is rolling over in their grave right now, but yeah. <laughs> Not Bob Marley. Do you know Bob Marley has a verified Twitter account, no. by the way? Because that's apparently verified as the ghost of Bob Marley. I did not know that. Just thought What's I verified. Ver- I don't, verified, I think, means uh, know you, ha- you? you know someone at Twitter who will give you a blue oh, check mark okay. next to your name. So Very cool. That Brian Bendis, he's verified. All right. I can... I can tell you that. I don't follow him. So here's uh, this. That's the really important recap and what's new in Twitter this week. Uh, make sure you tune in this Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Excuse me. Cartoon in this Sunday morning, 8 a.m. on Disney XD. All right. We are back. Here we are. Hi. Hi. Hello. Guys. Uh, it's time for This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club. Ben, what's the selection? Oh, the selection this time around was Daredevil Born Again, something we've talked about doing for a long time. It is mm, probably my favorite Daredevil story. Um, this, Man Without Fear, are kind of the two pillars for me, particularly of Miller's Daredevil. Um, Frank Miller wrote it. David Mazzucchelli um, drew it. The art is gorgeous. I think there's a lot of, you know, this was when Miller had done his initial run with Electra, with Bullseye, with all that stuff. He left for a year or two, came back, was not going to draw it. So everyone's like, well, why is he not writing and drawing? But then Mazzucchelli comes in and just crushes it. And everyone's like, okay, that's why. So it was cool. It, it gave Miller a chance to you know, focus on the writing. And Mazzucchelli, who's a master storyteller in his own right. Yeah, like I, I think... We th- you know you could throw master around. Mm-hmm. He this is masterful work. Yeah, it's hundred percent. It's amazing stuff. Um, the premise of this is it starts out with Karen Page, who's been out of the book for years, and that's kind of like she's a signifier of a different era for me at this point. Is that she's like the innocent daredevil before Miller first got his hands on the character. She never appeared during his first run. She's been off trying to become a uh, an actress. Of course, if you watch the Netflix series. You know, her as kind of like the the person who came in, became their secretary, and that's what she was in the Silver Age. She was typical Silver Age love interest. We pick up here. She's a heroin junkie. She's done adult films, and she's, she's in Mexico. She's having a, a bad time. She's in things. Mexico having a bad time. Very visceral. Like Miller and Mazzucchelli do not shy away from anything, and she sells Daredevil's secret identity to the wrong people for one last hit, and then you go right over to there's a chain, but halfway through the first issue kingpin knows that matt murdoch is daredevil it's just amazing like what a crazy thing to just drop into an issue is that now this guy who is so capable of ruining lives who hates daredevil who miller built up this character through his first run and now he has the ultimate weapon and the first issue is just him systematically over the course of months destroying matt murdoch's life his job his home, his money, everything's stripped away from him. Matt doesn't know what's going on, just knows things are going bad, like tries to go out as Daredevil and figure things out, like good policemen are like swearing that they saw him doing bad things. He just cannot figure it out. Um, And then in just this great moment at the end of the first issue, he's coming back to his house. His house explodes and he just picks up like a strap of Daredevil costume and he just goes, nice work, Kingpin. Shouldn't have signed it. Yeah. And that's just the moment you're like, oh my god. 
But it's not like then next issue, Matt, you know, goes and beats up Kingpin and everything's better. It's just issues of things just getting worse and worse. It's Matt, you know, his mental state deteriorating. And this is, I think, kind of the first we saw. We saw a little of Miller's first run. It really hammered home here that, like, Matt Murdock is just not a mentally stable individual. Like, a lot of the other Marvel heroes, even, like, your Tony Starks or your Peter Parker's, like, when worse comes to worse, they kind of, like, they rally and they get it all together, which Matt does eventually, but, like, things have to get really bad for him. And this is kind of the recurring theme of, like, the worst things in Matt Murdock's life are not necessarily Kingpin or Bullseye or Elektra. It's just how bad his life gets um, and the tragedy. So he tries to go after Kingpin. It does not go well. It goes horribly. And he falls even further. Yeah. Um, Karen comes back into his life. You have kind of this dual redemption arc. of They both are just these two people who were just these bright, shiny characters in the 60s who are now just at their lowest low. Can they, these two, like, broken people, fix each other? You got all this stuff going on with Ben Urich, who has his own, like, side story of trying to figure out the truth and what that ends up costing him. You have Foggy and Matt's ex-girlfriend getting together. And I love that Miller would do, like, you know, you get a couple of pages of Matt, but then you jump to half a page of Kingpin, and then you jump to half a page of Foggy, and you'd always come back to Matt. And so the final couple issues are the introduction of nuke who it always was weird to me that nuke was this character who like did not fit in daredevil to me because he's this super soldier larger than life character but he just gets dropped in it's this threat that daredevil is not equipped to handle and kingpin thinks he's gotten rid of matt murdoch at this point and the beauty of it is kingpin is just like should be so happy like he's won he's crushed opposition we see him so many times in this like his ruthlessness and his henchmen are great, like just the weird guys he employs. But he just cannot win because in the back of his mind, he's like, Matt Murdock's going to come back. He's going to find his way out of this. Like he's, they did, I yeah. love that he keeps saying, they never found a body. Yeah, he's like, just, yeah. That, that keeps running through his head, and he's like pressing you know, yep. hundreds oh. of pounds. He's working out. He's beating the right. crap out of people as he's training. And he's just thinking they didn't find a body. Because he's defeated him so thoroughly. He just defeated Matt so badly but I think the story of Born Again is that Matt Murdock, more than any other Marvel hero, if you live him like a sliver of hope, and that's the tagline of the book, is that Kingpin just keeps going. He goes, I showed him that a man without hope is a man without fear. Um, and if you leave Matt Murdock any window, he's going to come back. And the last two issues are just him uh, going after Nuke, who's this crazy super soldier. Uh, Captain America gets involved. I love Captain America's part in this. Iron Man and Thor show up for two seconds. I, I, I do want to yep. say that that scene... Well, that's where, a classic. Right. Well, like, the scene is, like, everything's going crazy. Nuke's going wild. Yeah. And then, the like, there's a very, like, everything slows down. Everything gets quiet. The, the Avengers, the Avengers show up. It's like, yeah. you know, a man with a voice who... Uh, with the voice that could command a god. And, and does, does. And then Thor. And, like, it's just like this... You just see Thor in silhouette. Yeah, in silhouette. You it's see Iron Man one panel of Thor. It's three panels of Iron Man. But yeah. it's so powerful. In fact, I mean, a lot of people... I don't even that we know have said, like, that is the best description of the Avengers ever. And Miller did it in, like, a page. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where it all winds down. And it ends on a hopeful note for Matt that he can maybe get his life together. But, man, it's just, like, the risks Miller took and the risks Marvel allowed him to take yeah. with this flagship character who we flash forward to today. You know, he's a TV star. He's a, he's a seminal Marvel character. But Miller broke him like no other character had been broken before. And in doing so, 
showed why the core of this character works. He's so resilient that you can take everything away from it. And I don't think you can say this for every character. Like, if you did this to maybe Captain America, it'd be hard to believe, like, could he come back from this, you know, deprived of everything? Or if you did it to Peter Parker, like, which I know there's been stories like Craven's Last Hunt where you kind of, like, you beat on Peter Parker to a certain extent, but it almost gets, like, too much. You're like, no, no, Peter, come back, make a joke. With here, it just works. It's just this badass, like, Matt Murdock has been destroyed. I, the, the most effective parts for me are when he's, like, living in a motel just so paranoid that he thinks like foggy's in on it and like he attacks the guy who comes to collect rent money from him like those are the parts where i'm just like oh my god and in fact when karen shows up who did this horrible thing to set it all into motion he just forgives her he's like i get it he's like we're gonna we're gonna fix each other it's great it's an amazing story it it earns its reputation and then some yeah do you want to give a shout out i I'm having trouble loading. Well, you is it all the same colors by Christy Scheel throughout? Because I think the colors um, are just super effective because it's a lot of, you know, using a lot of the reds, a lot of the blues, a lot of the yellows. There's a lot of mood yes. portrayed through color. I have Christy Scheel and um, Richmond Lewis listed. Okay. I don't know if one may have been like a, a for the trade. Let me see if I can find it here. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Christy Shield is, is the main colorist on yeah, this. Yeah, I think they do a fantastic job of, of really, you know, yeah. there's, it's part of the that great storytelling that it's all the elements coming together to make this what it is, which is so effective and so important. Uh, I, I haven't read this in, I would say, like eight years maybe, and I was like, I was blown away again. It was like reading it all new for the yep. first time it's also I really got sucked in yeah especially after watching daredevil on netflix like getting the sense of how influential this is in just in tone and flavor and characterization mm-hmm. not necessarily these elements specifically but how that is seeped into what we know and love about daredevil and those characters right well the cool thing for me thinking about it from the aspect of the netflix series is that they have like you said brought a lot of the tone in that to me that they could do born again someday sure. if they wanted to and it's such a great story and oh, like yeah. that excited me the prospect of like oh my god they could they could tell this story and it would be incredible and it, you could make it work it'd be yeah it would totally work oh, so good yeah and last shout out i give um i mean you know you got you can't you can't undervalue miller and mazzucchelli um miller and mazzucchelli incredible like we said miller in particular just for everything he did for daredevil but also uh ralph macchio yes who was the editor on this book who was on the editor for daredevil for years yeah and just oversaw just the transition of this character from one set of skilled hands to another and uh allowed them to take the chances here that they did yeah and jim shooter who's the editor-in-chief at this point and joe rosen the letter yes. because it, oh especially really when you're good talking letters. about really the, um the Yurik, ben Yurik stuff. Yurik stuff he's got this you know typewriter font that he uses but like you know the sound effects are you know used in really great ways it's just it's incredible top yeah. to bottom yeah one of the best comics yeah. you'll ever read i'm getting to that, like that final issue that's just like a race of, for him to get nuke to the daily bugle yeah. or the um last page of the second to last issue where daredevil's like that famous image of him like in flames that crystal lando now has as a tattoo have he you does? seen this i have not. got it on his calf that looks Ooh. amazing um it's all great yeah uh, let us know if you have tattoos of any of the stuff from this arc because yeah. I want to see it. Yeah, you you should go to Delano right after this and I'm show it to you. He, yeah. Whoever did his did a great job. Nice. 
All right, that's what we had to say. Let's hear what you guys had to say. I will say up front, mm. I'm a little disappointed. Yeah, there weren't a lot of comments, guys. Yeah, uh, we, I was ex- we, we expecting this back up more. Yeah, but let's hear what we did yet. Uh, Daniel Willis, I was wondering when we get to a Daredevil story for Tommy RC. Thought it would come sooner with a Netflix release. Excited to read it. Hope you enjoyed it, Daniel. DJ Fanko, I have a love-hate relationship with Miller's work, but the Daredevil series was so good, I have to reread Board Again. Miller's work always seems so morally perilous. It kind of gives me the not enjoyable chills. When can someone can work in the best parts of religion, then there's a saving grace. Oh, we didn't even talk about uh, right. Sister Maggie. Oh, yeah. Who we know is Matt's mom, yep. but this was when it was still kind of ambiguous. I mean, he, at his lowest point, is just bleeding out on the street and gets brought to a convent. Um, I don't know if it's a convent or a church or whatever by the woman who we know is his mother but as far as you know is just this nun yeah well he they, yeah. they have that moment that mm-hmm. establishing point right and it's such a big even story it's a little ambiguous it, yeah. but it's such a big story that like even that which is monumental for Matt's life that he has to keep moving mm-hmm. on and deal with everything yeah else. it's a blip in this story uh, yeah but definitely Miller doesn't shy away from showing the good and the bad of religion and you know like we said, yeah, it's uncomfortable. His work can be very uncomfortable. Just those, the stuff with Karen uh, may be very, very uncomfortable, but sometimes yeah. you want that. Or not want, but it's, it's good. Well, this Daredevil story doesn't waste any time going off the rails, given up by a girlfriend, financial troubles, and it gets worse. And by worse, I mean worse for Matt. The narration is phenomenally sensorial. What David Mazzucchelli's art doesn't communicate, Miller's words beautifully illustrate. Bacon, pancakes, Muzak, all of it. I was... Um, in the midst of my new diet and in still unable to have any meat when I was reading this and uh, Miller's description of like burgers and pancakes and bacon was driving me insane are you on the meat now? I just started meat on Sunday um, thank you um, but yeah I was, it, was a, it, was, it was a rough time rough time at the Morris household all things are good now in one page Matt loses nearly everything this is from the first issue where he just gets like a a pile of mail at his door, which is talking about every all the bad stuff that's happening to him. Yeah. Daryl's confrontation with Nick was physical and psychological with amazing ice, uh, illustrated energy. This is confrontation. This is the one we're talking about where the landlord tries to come and get the money from him. Might be. Yeah. In the midst, this is actually, this is actually a really beautifully written tweet. It's like yeah. poetry. In the midst of tragedy created by man, it's God's servants who intervene on Matt's behalf. And this great, this is actually just a great splash page uh, where it says "Born Again." It's Sister Maggie sitting by Matt in the you know under the cross, and he's just we found out he's alive. Um, that's a that's a beautiful beautiful page by Mazzucchelli. Um I was amazed. How much tension this arc builds. It's thick, unsettling, disturbing, but thankfully breaks with Matt's fever. Matt and Karen's moment at the end seemed like a freeze frame at the end of an 80s TV show. Those fashions, man. Oh, so good. Sure. Timeless. Yeah. The fight with Nuke is epic. I don't know. I didn't know this is his first appearance. Not only is this Nuke's first appearance, he would not show up again until Wolverine Origins. Yeah. In 2006. But it's such an impact that he's what? Two issues, maybe three. That he was just a character that was like spoken of like reverently yeah. for years. Just added these two issues. Interesting. A Daredevil arc with Kingpin, a Spider-Man villain. I'll argue that point. I mean, he was introduced in Spider-Man, but I think he's he's a he's a Daredevil, he's a Daredevil villain. villain. Uh, introduces Nuke, an identifiable Cap adversary. <laughs> Hashtag it's all connected. Um, yeah, I mean, 
Kingpin is kind of a Marvel Universe villain, but even though he started out in Spider-Man, I think he's pretty definitively owned by Daredevil. And Nuke, even though he, yeah, I mean, he, he wouldn't piss anyone off more than Cap, he was introduced in, he was introduced here, he fought Wolverine a couple times, and he didn't show up until Cap until very recently. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously he fought Cap here, and he's a dark mirror of him, but yeah, not necessarily a Cap adversary. I'm impressed with Captain America's superb computer skills. Not bad for a man from the past. Yeah, hack, Cap hacked something here. I was thinking that, too. I was yeah. like, wow, he's really good with computers. Someone you know doesn't what understand. Cap says? Internet, so helpful. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Am I right? Uh, all right. Oh, my Gill says, I'm so excited for when we get to tag and bank on Twimmy RC. Nothing sells a book <laughs> like Star Wars meets Life of Brian. And he continues on the Star Wars kick. He says, also, I look forward to Kevin Rubio getting the rub because he deserves it. So that is a uh, future Twimmy RC that we have promised. Yes. No idea when. Yeah. Uh, Reynaldo says, Cracking open Born Again, again, for Tomi RC. Miller's writing is akin to watching a TV show or movie. So evocative. Interesting to learn what happened to Matt prior to Born Again. He yeah. seems down on his luck already, and once his world starts collapsing, he's so quickly dismissive of receiving any help from his friends. Beautiful storytelling. Yeah, I've never read the stuff from right before Born Again. I kind of want to, just because it reminded me here that he's so broken down, like, even when we start. So yeah. I'm kind of curious where it goes. Yeah. So yeah, like we said, disappointing uh, lack of comments, but I think we talked enough. Yes, we definitely did. But uh, if you guys didn't read this, uh, or you skipped over it for some reason, please go back and read it. Seriously. And like, let us know what you think. It think. is it's, it's phenomenal. Working. So what do we got next? Oh, I what do we got in two weeks? Oh. Think about it on the fly. Uh, you want to think, do you, do you, what do you want to do here? Uh, you got a vamp. I got a vamp. You what vamp we, a little bit. What if we, all right, well, let's think about this. What if we uh, read in Secret Wars? I'm we just going to spin the app. Want to do that? Let's do this. We're going to do a random selection. This is the first time ever Ryan has his tablet out, and he is just, like, flipping through it. He's going to land on something, and that's going to be our extreme RC. This is historic. Uh, but yeah. Ooh, that's pretty good, but I think it's too recent. Okay. Uh, ooh, see how much we actually have in here. All right. Uh, this, is, this is thrilling radio. Let's do some Warlock. Some, some classic Warlock? Warlock stuff. Ooh, I like that. You read, you read some of this recently, right? I did. I did. It's uh, really good. Do you have a pick specifically that we go to? Because uh, there's see. a lot in here. Let me see what we got. Okay. Let's take a look at this. Um, a little Jim Starlin action. A cosmic Odyssey business. Okay. Let's do issues nine through... We'll do the Magus arc. Yeah. Uh, which I think is... I'll I'll verify the issues. But yeah, we'll do like the first where Magus and Pip the Troll and Gamora all got introduced. Yeah. And we'll do those issues. Awesome That's stuff. a great pick. Uh, so trippy, so weird, so yeah, gonna be amazing. out of this world. Yeah. Cool. Literally. I'm glad I picked that. Yeah, great really? job, Ryan. It was... You know what? I thought came, about that for a long came time. Came down to the wire, but you, yeah. uh, you put a lot of thought into it. Nailed it. Uh, right. All right. Thank you. Uh, thanks a lot, Alec, for uh, not speaking. Yeah, sorry for ruining your podcast. Right, here he goes again. Again, right? Little Mr. Talky wow, over we here. We gave him too much. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you in a week. This is Marvel, your universe. <laughs>